This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. Pac-12 student-athletes are hanging up their cleats this fall. The conference's CEO group voted unanimously yesterday to call off all athletics through at least the end of the year due to COVID concerns. Larry Scotts is the Pac-12 commissioner. This was an extremely difficult and painful decision. He says there was just no safe way to have football or other fall sports. The health safety and well-being of our student athletes and all those connected to Pac-12 sports has from day one uh, been our top, top priority. And uh, that was the top priority today. Big Ten Conference also made the same decision to postpone its fall sports schedule. Both the Big Ten and Pac-12, though, still hope to resume play this spring. And this isn't just a major blow to athletes and their families. There's a lot of money at stake here, too. Some athletic directors already are estimating that the lost revenue to their programs could hit $100 million. And local economies will also take a hit. This business owner in Pullman spoke with KXLY-TV. Football follows women's soccer, women's volleyball. Um, you know, those people coming in for those games as well. So putting all that on hold is definitely going to be detrimental to the entire local economy for sure. Cairo Radio's Chris Sullivan joined us this morning. His son is a nationally ranked long snapper and is also a freshman football player at Montana State, another school that's postponing its fall sports schedule. There's still talk of maybe some you know, players report in January, games start in March and run through May-ish and maybe some playoffs. But even that seems optimistic, mm. considering not just the virus, but also just what, I mean, the wear and tear on fo- football players don't want to go through a kind of a truncated season and then turn right around, get their bodies right for a real season if it happens in 21. So it's not looking good for football uh, in the coming year. But all of these sports programs are pointing to something called myocarditis. This is a a big concern because it's possible side effect of COVID-19 that causes inflammation of the heart muscle. The symptoms are serious. They include chest pain, abnormal heartbeat, shortness of breath, and even sudden death sometimes. CBS Sports reported that at least 15 Big Ten players have developed myocarditis after contracting COVID-19. And as we heard from the Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, uh, it's just not worth the risk at this time. I also heard Larry Scott say, unlike you know professional athletes, you can't exactly bubble in student athletes, right? No, that's right. And this is one of the things that we we tend to forget. We look at the death count, right? But among those who have recovered from the disease, some have reported uh, permanent changes to their health. So I can understand why athletes would be worried. Another densely populated Washington County reports their summer spike in COVID-19 cases may be slowing down. The two weeks going from last Saturday back 14 days, things appear to be turning around. That's Snohomish County Health Officer Dr. Chris Spitters, and he credits residents and businesses who are taking mask mandates seriously and are socially distancing. Pierce County is also reporting a slight drop in recent cases and is hopeful that trend will continue. Yakima County is also in a better position. The Yakima Herald reports the county is in a 17-day streak of keeping daily new cases under 100 and no new deaths reported yesterday. Daily case counts were consistently in the triple digits there earlier this summer. So one thing, uh, Dr. Ali Mokdad at the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation um, at UW told us last week is that as soon as people hear cases are dropping, 
they might relax. They might start to ease up on mask wearing and social distancing. So uh, it is important to note here that these drops are very likely because of masks and social distancing. I wonder if because this drop is happening and we saw what happened last time uh, when we saw the numbers dip and then we saw things reopen and the Mm -hmm. numbers spike. Are you saying we should stop reporting the good news? We should just report the bad news because every time we report positive statistics, (laughs) we turn them negative. It is a giant social experiment right now, right? Uh, I, I mean... I just wonder how the governor and the public health officials are going to react to this positive news. I know they've put this this halt, this pause on reopening phases across the board. I don't know. What do you what do you what do you think is going to happen, Dave? They should say keep it up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if uh, if you if you play football, right, and you're ahead after the first half, what does the coach say in the locker room? Okay, ease up. We're ahead. Mm-hmm. No problem. No. He says, let's crush them. Let's pile on, man. Let's humiliate them. Let's make them invoke the mercy rule. And that's what I say for the virus. Let's make it invoke the mercy rule. Undocumented workers in Washington will now be getting some COVID-19 relief from the state. After months of pressure from immigration activists and organizations, Governor Jay Inslee is launching a $40 million state fund for undocumented workers. The Seattle Times reports the fund makes Washington one of only a handful of states that includes California and Oregon using government funds to provide financial relief to undocumented immigrants affected by the pandemic. The governor's announcement comes as COVID-19 surges through Washington's Latino population. This is some shocking stuff here. While Latinos represent 13 percent of our state's population, the health department says Latinos account for 43 percent of all COVID cases. Uh, Also, undocumented immigrants missed out on receiving those federal stimulus checks. They also cannot participate in the Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, This a fair move in your estimation, Dave? Well, you know how I feel about it. Um, When it comes to things like health care, I don't think whether you have documents or not should affect how we treat you. You're a human being. And in the case of uh, most of the undocumented immigrants who are working, they're here because there's a job to do. Employers, for whatever reason, decided not to check the documents too closely, either because they believe these are the best workers or because they couldn't find anybody else to do the job. But uh, if you're going to be employed, you should not be punished because a disease has either thrown you out of a job or has made it difficult for you to uh, to work. And um, I, I, I mean, I ask myself in these cases, would I want to be in the position of someone like that to, number one, be desperate enough to have to go to another country to get a job? And then number two, to be left high and dry along with my family if a disease like this struck. And I, I think most of us would say, no, we would never want to find ourselves in a situation like that. So it sounds to me like the fair thing to do. And we should also note that all three of the free testing stations in the city of Seattle do not require either health insurance or proof of citizenship or immigration status to get your free COVID test. And the reason for that is that the virus doesn't know whether you're documented or not. It will spread to any human being. The Seattle Public School Board will meet today at 1 o'clock to make a decision about reopening schools in the fall. We'll be back here tomorrow to discuss the impact of that decision, whatever it may be, with State Superintendent Chris Rakedahl on COVID-19 Seattle.